Hi everyone. Yeah, we are studying because I just pressed record. <laughs> I didn't know who was starting. I didn't know who was doing the intro. Though. I don't know. We just did it though. Hello. <laughs> and welcome. <laughs> I'm Paige. I'm Michelle. This is Smart Girls in the YA Stacks. This week yeah. on this podcast, we read The Girls, a, never, a novel made Tucker Shaw, which I was really confused for the longest time whether this was called Girls or The Girls, because the the is really not prominent. <laughs> like, I knew it was The Girls because, I don't know, because Paige told me it was, but it's hard to see on the cover. The cover's horrible. Yeah, we'll let's just take a moment there. to talk about the cover design. The cover is appalling. Like, it's repulsive. If you saw that, like, so the reason that I picked this out was because I was actually... Well, so Michelle and I, how we pick books for the podcast, it's like maybe a little bit of an imperfect system, but we basically trawl like the library and bookstores and Amazon and Goodreads, and we each come up with suggestions, and then some, some of these suggestions get hard nose from the other people, and then sometimes we're talked into things, and sometimes we agree, and it's caused a bit of conflict, maybe. Um, anyway, we were looking for a different Tucker Shaw book that had been on our list because we saw it at a bookstore, and the library didn't have it, which is surprising because our library is a really big library, actually, and has a really good collection. Great. So, what the heck, you guys? Anyway, but then I saw this one they had by the same author, and it is a, if it was a movie, you'd call it a remake. I don't know what you call it when it's a novel. It's like a reimagining. Yes, it's a reimagining of the play, the Claire Booth loose play, The Women. Um, and so I was like, we saw The Women in high school, and um, it's great. It's a good play. We enjoyed it. I don't know. Michelle doesn't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. It. I don't remember a lot. <laughs> it's fine. I remember it. It's good, I and I thought that. it was like super interesting. Not our high school play, but like in concept. Play. Yeah. So we picked it up. So yeah, we picked it up. If you'd seen the cover though, you would not have chosen to read right. it because it's a horrible cover. The front cover is like not atrocious, like it's uh, not ideal, obviously, but it's pretty like it's insulting like, to a reader, I think. Well, it's very, it's very much like light teen reading. It's like two girls like whispering over a cup of coffee that says the girls on the coffee sleeve, mm-hmm. which is like not the worst. But there's a lot of pink, like pink lip gloss. I guess those are actually red nails. It's yeah. just, like, so much pink. It. I've spent more time in the young adult section, I think, than Paige, so this is not I've as... i young <laughs> I'm still offended, though. I don't... I There's think lots of the young adult The front cover is Beautiful fine. covers. The front cover is fine. The real part that's, I, like, damning to this book I mean, is... Yeah, the back cover is even worse. The back cover, which make, made this impossible for me to read in any public location. <laughs> yeah, in public, I can exactly. only read this, like, in my bedroom. Like, I didn't I even want to read this. I pulled it off the library and was, like, ran. <laughs> Because on the back, in pink sequins, on a pink background, it's like darker pink background, and then pink sequins, it says, no boys allowed. Which, like, yeah, why is that on the back cover of your book? Oh, my gosh. Yep. And then I was like, yeah. I, like, didn't even want to read this in, like, my living room where, like, yeah, other no. people might see me. This is a book I hid from all people around me while I was reading it. I didn't even want my dog to see me read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it's a horrible... We're not blaming the author for the cover design, because obviously, well, I I actually haven't written a book and published it, so I don't know how much say the author has over cover I design. I feel like probably... I don't know if they In this case, like, probably not a lot, I would say. I, I feel like Tucker... I hope this isn't his choice. Like, based on his other work, I don't think this is what he would pick. Maybe he will. But I think we can thank Maria T. Middleton and Chad W. <laughs> Beckerman. Um, mm-hmm. Maria designed this book. Yeah, and Chad was the art director, um, which, what can you expect from a Chad? We just had a long conversation about what 
chads are like. So, you missed out on that one, but it was bad. Yeah. Um, so, the cover's horrible. The back cover is worse. The back cover is even worse, yeah. And, like, I get it. So, this book, like we said, is based on the Claire Booth Loose play, The Women, mm-hmm. um, which was written in the 20s or the 30s, I think. Yeah. Um, I think so. Let's look really quick. Definitely one of those decades. I think maybe the 30s. I don't know. I'm going to go with 30s, 1930s. Um, Michelle's looking it up. There's also a movie based on the... Okay, there's actually two movies based yeah, on the Yeah, there's like 500 movies based okay, on Okay, there's the two. <laughs> Whatever. One of them, the old movie, the one in black and white, is really good and really takes a little play. And so if you don't get to see the play, you should see the movie. It's also a very good option. The new movie, however, I think it was remade again in, like, 2008. It's someone, like, with Meg Ryan and whatever. That movie was horrible. So that is not a substitute for seeing the play or the old movie. Um, don't watch that one. Watch the old movie or watch the play. The play came out in 1936. 1936. Bam. And the movie came out uh, a little bit later that decade, I think, 39, so. Really? Yeah, the movie came out pretty close to... Okay. Maybe not. <laughs> 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 I don't line. like not believe you, but I also don't know where you're getting. Your no, it's from that. 1939. Oh, okay, yeah. comedy drama film directed by George Cukor. C- Is that how his name is pronounced? <laughs> I don't know. We've already established on this podcast that I can't pronounce anything. That's true. Particular name. Yeah. Still working on that Russian author. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So. This was, like, good in concept. Mm. I like the idea. So the women, if you haven't seen it, is about a group of women. Surprise. (laughs) They are... It sort of of has a lot to do with, like, female friendship. It's... Mm -hmm. Their friendships are also, like... This is also, like, frenemies before the term frenemies was a thing. Um, These people are also, like... They're kind of friends, but they're also kind of, like, mean to each other. These are, like, high society women. There's a lot of backstabbing and gossiping going on. Going around. And... So, and there's also, the interesting thing about the play is that there are no men appear in the play. There are no male characters. Right. Um, even the, like, the animals, the pets are female. Um, and this book keeps that up. There's no, their male characters are obviously named and talked right. about, but they never appear, which mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. So I think that's what the No Boys Allowed on the cover is, but, like, that's really a stretch. Um, I still wouldn't have done that to the cover of my book. Right. If that happened to my book, I would just cry. I'd still be crying. <laughs> yeah. It just came out in 2011, and I'd still would be upset about it. When people complain about how, like, YA covers for girls are, like, always done in, like, pink and glitter and stuff, this is, like, this is what they're talking about. 2009. 2009. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. The cast of characters, I think, particularly, is very kind of true... Yeah. Based upon, he directly, that's where I feel like he pulls the most from. Like, the plot kind of has similarities, and you see kind of similar patterns and themes emerge, but the biggest similarities are the characters, which he names the same as the characters in the play, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Or slight variations on those names. And to be honest, the women who I, like, really remember from the play are Mary and Sylvia. Right. Who are the main people here? Um, so the play, like the big event that's happening, is that Mary, who in the play, Mary, the adult woman, is married to Stephen. Um, she finds out that Stephen is having an affair, mostly because of her like friend slash frenemies sort of like involvement. Um, and then it basically the play is about like how 
like what happens after she learns that her husband um, is having an affair with the girl at the perfume counter. So this is and this adaptation, <laughs> adaptation of the women. Um, so we saw Mary, and she's still dating. I, she's dating. They're not married because these girls are in high school, so yeah. that would be strange. Um, this boy named Stephen, and she come. They come back from winter break. Come to find out that Stephen is having an affair. Can you call it an affair? One? I don't know. I no. wouldn't have referred to it. It's she's cheating, cheating on, her. on her with a girl named Crystal, mm-hmm. who works at the Jean Bar. What? The Jean. It's not a bar. <laughs> but like store? the Jean. <laughs> Boutique. That'd be yeah, way better. Yeah, fancy store. There's a, there's a store called the Jean Bar. Or maybe, I don't know. And, like, you have to go to the counter and, like, order your jeans. Oh, my God. It's a horrible business model. No one liked it. I think <laughs> the store went under because you couldn't touch any of the clothes. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't have enough money to buy my jeans that way, so. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting. So, then we see this through Peggy's eyes, um. Yeah, who is not, which is interesting because Mary is the main character in The Women, and this is told through Mary's best friend's eyes. Right. And at first, I actually thought, I was like, I was confused. At the very beginning, I thought, oh, this is actually being told by who would have been Mary's daughter from the play. Because in the play, Mary has a young a, a young daughter. Um, I don't know why I thought that. Because I guess they were, te- I don't know why I thought that. Oh. I was quickly, like, disabused of that notion. But it's told by Mary's friend. Yeah. I didn't I didn't remember the play that well. I remember it happened. We went to it. I've also seen the movie, so... But I haven't seen the movie. So I didn't actually look up any of this until I was done reading. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, Peggy is Peggy. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of allusions to the actual play and to the, the original movie, so... Um, besides just, like, the characters' names, because, um, like, one of the teachers, so these girls, we forgot to mention this, they go to a really expensive boarding school, the Maroon Bells School for Girls, in Aspen, Colorado, and it's another Colorado book. Wait, we didn't read a Colorado book before, but we did read a Kansas book. Did we read, I feel like, did we? No. I don't think so. No, I think it was just a Kansas book. We read a Kansas book. This is a Colorado book, where we live, um... And the author was, lived lived in Denver at the time of writing this book. He's Mm -hmm. since moved... Bye, yeah. Mr. Shaw. Bye, we'll miss you. But, yeah. Um, so these people go to, like, this fancy boarding school where one of the yeah. teachers' names is Ms. Shearer, which is an allusion to Norma Shearer, who played, was an actress in the original movie, and then there's Norma and Rosalind, are like, lunch ladies, who are also names of actresses from the movie. Um, and then the restaurant where they, like, all work at is called Reno, which is a stupid name for a restaurant, obviously. It's a weird name. And... Aspen, like what? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what connotations you guys have. The word Reno, but it's like the capital of Nevada. I, it's a dumb name for a restaurant. Is it? Yeah, I don't think it's the capital of Nevada. I don't know what's the capital of Nevada. I think, <laughs> is it not? I think her, mm, no, 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 Nisha was born in Nevada, so she, I was. My dad actually grew up in Reno. My dad went to high school in Reno. We have yearbooks from Worcester High School in Reno where my dad went. It's an IB school now. Wow. It was an IB when he went there because... (laughs) So a while ago. Um, So Nichelle's going to Google for us the capital of Nevada, even though she is a native Okay, I moved out of Nevada when I was five, so... Okay, whatever. I know the capital of Kansas. I moved out of Kansas when I was five. It's Topeka. Do you really like Kansas in a way? Carson City. I was right. I just showed one to be wrong. That was my second Um, choice. I don't know, guys. 
been a while since I had to learn the state capitals. I'm ashamed to. We lived in Las Vegas, which is really like we didn't live in Las Vegas. We lived in a suburb of Las Vegas when we lived there. Um, and yeah, I have no attachment to Nevada whatsoever. I mean, that makes sense. It's Nevada. Yeah. Well, then I spent, like, the next seven years of my life in California, and now I live in Colorado. Um, so I feel like I can't have attachment to all these places. There's too many. So I've picked California and <laughs> Colorado to be the places where mm-hmm. I'm from. Okay. Yeah, so the restaurant is called Reno. It's a dumb name for a restaurant. The reason it's called Reno. See, if you haven't read the play, if you hadn't seen the play, though, you just think that they named the restaurant the stupid I didn't name. care. I did. As someone uh-huh. who, like, didn't do, I, like, didn't catch any of these illusions that Paige is excluding right now. That's fine. Um, it affects nothing. No, it doesn't affect anything. I'm just saying... So and when you put sequins on the cover, you I don't think you can expect your readers to make these sort of connections. That's probably true. Um, <laughs> which, like, I don't have anything against glitter, like, in general. I love glitter. But I don't want it on the covers of my books. I don't want Unless it spelling... super tastefully. No boys allowed. Yeah, that looks If there's sequins on the cover, on the, like, a flapper dress, which would not be appropriate from those book at all, but, like, I'm saying in a way that sequins would be appropriate. That'd be yeah, cool. Yeah. I think sequins could be cool, done very, like, elegantly. But just, like, sequins can go really bad in regular life, so can they in, like, mm-hmm. book covers. Like, most yeah. occasions don't call for sequins and glitter. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, so, but in the play, Reno is where the women, where, um, Mary went, and a bunch of other women did as well, to get a divorce, um, because... This is an interesting story. <laughs> interesting historical fact. Nevada had super liberal divorce laws at a time when the rest of the country did not. So, especially Reno, so you would go to Reno because you could establish residency in, like, three months to then eventually it became just six weeks. So you'd go and you'd, like, hang out there for a month or two to become a resident, and then you could get divorced under Nevada divorce laws. So that's why in the play they all went to Reno. It wasn't just like they weren't taking a vacation to Nevada. They were trying to get a divorce. And that's why the restaurant is named that because it's an important location in the play. And it's where, like, a lot of these characters have conversations. Um, it's very strange that they all work at this restaurant. It's extremely strange. <laughs> so the idea is, so Peggy is supposed to be, like, poor, but she's, like, not that poor. She's just, like, a normal person. But she feels poor because she's going to this fancy school. Which I guess would make you feel poor. Right. Yeah, I mean, the richer the people are you around, the poor you feel. Right. She's, like, talking not. about her Levi's and, like, her Pumas. Like, she's wearing, like, not, like, Chanel, but mm-hmm. she's also not, like, picking her clothes out of a dumpster. <laughs> um, and at some points, I feel like she's feeling a little bit too sorry for herself and her position and a life, and she's like, oh, I'm just so poor. But anyway, so she got on, she goes to Marine Bells on full scholarship, but she still has work study, which, like, <laughs> one, <laughs> like, no work study has to be, at like, the there school. are a lot of, yeah, through the has school. to be at the school, or, like, I actually did work study in college at a local nonprofit. But that's because through the government. But that was through the government, and I don't think they do high school work study, like, yeah, I think for if a you, private boarding school, I don't know. Because you that you want to go to because you want to snowboard. Yeah, um, they're not. So anyway, so she has work study at this like fancy restaurant, which I'm like, and the only people that work at this restaurant are like these teenage girls from the high school, and it's like it's supposed cheap. to be a nice restaurant, like mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be like Denny's, like <laughs> <laughs> like it's supposed to be a high end, yeah, expensive restaurant, and like her entire. Like, wait, staff, her entire, like, it seems like most of her kitchen mm-hmm. are women. Not the, like, cook, cook people, but the right. wait staff and the hostess are students. And, like, the, like, sous chefs, the people that come in and chop every, like, the prep chefs. Well, the prep cooks, yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, what's her name? Margaret. Peggy. And I feel like oh. there might be a couple other people 
that are in the kitchen that are it's weird it's very they strange and it doesn't cooking, make sense yeah the girl also mary cool. is like very very wealthy and but she still works there because her mom's a friend of the lady who owns it which doesn't make sense like if you're a friend that means maybe you get free cake after you <laughs> finish your meal i don't think it means you have to like hostess like five nights a week I also guess they're she like wants to. working from like eight because it's like a nice restaurant so they work from like the um late afternoon until like midnight because that's restaurant schedule which i don't think is like something that you would be doing is that stated in the book or is it just something as like a reasonable person you know at one point they're like we didn't i mean they only talk about it one night so i guess you can't totally assume that it's an every night thing they talk Mm -hmm. about walking back to the dorms at midnight oh that's right from their like work like that's when the restaurant yeah there seems to be some problems with like this these girls working at the restaurant a because work study the whole principle of work study is that the school will like basically give you money for your tuition in exchange for your labor for them. Right. You can, like, work in the cafeteria. Right. That's where you'd be doing work study. You it could, like, staple sense. people papers in the admissions <laughs> office. Like. Yeah. And if it was just, if he just phrased it as, like, she's working at the restaurant because she needs money, like, that makes sense. Fine. Right. Lots of teenagers have jobs. It's weird that she's at this fancy restaurant. I feel like the fancy restaurant world is a little bit harder to get into than this paints it. Right. Like, working there. Even but she's not, like, as a week. She's doing prep cooking stuff. Right. But I still think... Anybody. As, like, a 16-year-old. But, like, you're... T- I mean, like... They'll let you... They'll let anybody do prep quick stuff. You just yeah. chop stuff. But even, like, the waitresses, like... The waitresses is what confuses me more. Right, because that's where you want to work, because if you, the meals are costing several hundred dollars, that's... For, if you're getting 20% <laughs> of that, you're getting, like, $20 a table with tips, which is mm. great money. Yeah. So... It's just very confusing. Also, like, Peggy um, is, like, obsessed with cooking, Mm-hmm. And, but the only thing she ever makes in this, she, like, has ideas, and she, like, tells the chef, like, her ideas about cooking things. But the only thing she ever actually cooks is, like, grilled cheese sandwiches. In the dorm. Because they have, George like, a, Foreman. a tabletop grill. grill, yeah. Which, I mean, makes sense, because in that, like, I didn't cook anything in dorms. You yeah. don't have I mean, you don't have anything. Equipment or space, and plus, I don't have any time. <laughs> My sister cooks things, because there's, like, a dorm kitchen. Uh-huh. She's a freshman, um, in college. Also, right dorm kitchens are disgusting because no yeah. one cleans them. At Mount Holyoke, we actually, there are not full kitchens at every dorm, so you have to, there's like, I don't know, five or six on campus, and so if you wanted to cook, you had to go to those kitchens. They got shut down. Like, they, the administration, like, locked them, closed them down, and no one was allowed to use them because they were so disgusting because right. no one cleaned them up. Right, because they don't belong to anyone. And they were like rats, and just like, it was... It was a serious health hazard, and they were like, we have to shut them down. Then people got mad. They're like, how dare they shut down the kitchens? And it's like, it was like a biohazard, you guys. Yeah. But anyway, so Peggy is like, weird. I mean, it's not weird. Like, it's fine that this is her hobby. It's awesome. This is super cool. But it also just kind of seems like an afterthought in many ways. Like, she works at this restaurant, and she has this weird nervous tick where she that starts was annoying. making felt- food. And I, also, it sounds like the nervous tick of someone with an eating disorder. Because <laughs> it's not like she's, <laughs> like, she's, like, thinking about, like, how to, like, better a recipe, like, or something. She just starts listing foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she gets nervous, <laughs> she'll just be, like... She'll be like, like, raspberries or a bag. <laughs> but she'll, like, she'll make, like, there. a whole meal. She'll, she'll be, like, shit. Yeah, like, the cooking, the restaurant stuff, that didn't bother me. That seems like, okay, that's fine. She right. really likes to cook. But the fact that she would list, it became quite annoying. Like, I understood it's sort of, like, this character quirk, I guess. But it also happened so many times in the it narrative. Was, that right. It became so annoying. And it, like, wasn't, it wasn't something either where you could, like, discern meaning from it. It wasn't like, oh, she's, I don't know. It was just her, know. like, every time she was nervous or stressed, which was a lot in this 
she started novel, listening she things. started listening food stuff. I was like, you sound like a legitimate crazy person. <laughs> it, it, like, really sounds like the tick of someone with, like, an eating disorder. Yeah. To, like, start, mm-hmm. like, obsessing about food. And that way, like, it Which, didn't like, seem I like do. a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> like, it wasn't, I don't know. And it was, like, weird. Did she pick up this skill? There's no real conversation. I don't know. And I guess that this book only takes place over a week, and she's not really the main focus. But I just felt, and I, like, Tucker Shaw is actually, he works in, like, Are the food. Are we diving food. into that on it? Oh, okay. No, he works into, like, he works into the, in the food industry, sort of, right now. He, food writing. Food writing, yeah. yeah. He was the food editor at Denver Post, and now he works at Cooks and Country. Country and Cook, I don't know. I think it's called Cook's Country. He works for a cooking magazine. Right. So. so. I mean, you could tell that was something that he was interested in, which is, like, fine, Yeah, it was authentic. But it was weirdly but it was integrated. Yeah, it was um, too much. If it had happened a couple times, I would have been fine. Right. But it happened so many times. It's one of those, it's like what I talked about back with the dancing. It's hard to do something so specific in a way that isn't just, like, beating you over the head with it. Yeah. To, like actually add like a genuine interest that's a little bit more like of a specific interest without like beating you over the head with it and I feel like this could have been done easier (laughs) because like more people are kind of familiar with like the food world like everyone knows what like a hamburger is it's not like something you have to explain but I think that is a tricky thing and I don't think he did it well I think if it was descriptions of her cooking, I would have been more on board with that right if she was like describing how she was preparing like dishes not like Spaghetti and meatballs, I probably don't need to hear about that. But she's, like, this really, she's really interested in, like, real cooking. So if we were, right. like, watching her prepare, like, oak cuisine stuff, that would be a lot more interesting to me than her just, like, listing dishes every time she was nervous, which was 90% of the time. Yeah. So. Well, okay, we beat that part to the ground. We should maybe tell you a little bit about the plot, because we never got started doing that. Yeah, yeah. So, in the play, Mary's husband cheats on her. And she finds out through the involvement of her so-called friends. And that's basically what happens here. And it happens by chapter two, we've established that Steve and Mary's boyfriend is cheating on her. It mm-hmm. happens real fast. So what happens is um, they overhear it. So in the play, what happens is that this manicurist, who I guess is friends with Crystal, um, the girl who Stephen cheats on Mary with, um, is like gossips a lot. And so these society friends of Mary end up hearing about it. Um, and then they tell Mary to go see her, knowing that what's-her-face, the girl who gossips, is going to tell her, and that's how she'll find out. So, in the book, it happens with this Amber girl who works at a coffee shop, and I don't know how she has a job at a coffee shop, because she never shuts up. Like, she's gossiping the whole time, talking about people's personal business. At one point in the book, she's on her phone the entire, like, half an hour there in a coffee shop. I think that's what I, like, she's on the phone all the time. That's kind of, like, the idea. How does she have a job? She just, like, talks and gossips. She'll hang up the phone if something interesting is happening in the coffee shop, but besides that, she's just talking. I don't know. I don't understand how she's employed, There's no people that can actually be employed in this town, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Aspen is too full of, like, wealthy people that don't need jobs, and so they just have to employ whoever they can find Mm. on the street. (laughs) Also, if you're making lattes, like, you're gonna need both hands, right? Is she just constantly with her cell phone on her shoulder and her ear? Because, like, then you also have limited mobility. Scalding. (laughs) I don't know. She's annoying. I didn't like her character at all. I mean, you're not really supposed to, but, like, she's just irritating. Yeah, so she is the one who somehow finds out that Stephen is cheating on Mary with Crystal. And Stephen and Mary, they're really wealthy. They're really, like, well-known. Mary is from New York City, but Stephen is from... Aspen? Glenwood Springs, I thought. 
I don't know. He's like because the prince of the know. mountains. <laughs> exactly. I like this the ski resort towns in Colorado. Yeah, so his dad owns like this super fancy hotel that he's like the heir to or whatever. So he's very well known in this community and Mary is the rich girl he's dating, so from New York. Yeah, so they're like quasi famous in this town. All right. They're like the royal couple of the high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Amber is just like well, she's gossiping when Sylvia, who's like the frenemy, goes in to get a latte. And what's her face? What is the narrator's name? Everyone calls Peggy. Her Peggy. Is her name really Margaret? I don't know. Her name is Peggy. That's Peggy's like, a stupid name. She didn't want to be called it either, and then I could never figure out what her real name was. Who cares? She didn't want to be called it. I thought she, I she was annoyed. I don't know. I don't so know. So called her Penny at one point, which is a better name than Peggy, and she got mad about that. Stupid, because. She's got to step up. I don't know. Peggy, Peg, whatever. It's a stupid name. Her name is Peggy. Um, she and Sylvia. Peggy the whole book. Yeah, she and Sylvia are in there getting lattes. And Amber. Not together. They're not. not together, but they're there at the same time. And Amber is just like, oh my gosh, have you heard? Oh my god, Stephen is cheating on Mary with Crystal. And so Sylvia, of course, is like, you know, thrilled to have this information. Sylvia's like the mean, mean girl, I guess. Uh-huh. She's also very, very wealthy. But she, like, Mary is supposed to be, like, this very sweet, down-to-earth, like, doesn't brag about her wealth. And then we have Sylvia, who is, like, quite the opposite and, like, very much flaunts her wealth, mm-hmm. will not work for herself at all, like, is always in, like, this all-black red lipstick ensemble, ensemble, mm-hmm. ensemble, mm-hmm. ensemble. <laughs> um, and is mean and just, like, very controlling and manipulative. No one really likes her, at least Peggy and Mary don't, at least initially. Yeah, but Mary kind of ends up. It's weird. Sylvia Mary's, Mary's, Mary's is like weird. too nice to everyone. Yeah. Is the problem? <clears throat> yeah. So. Yep. Sylvia overhears that, and then Peggy. So like, Peggy spends so much time, like we said, obsessing and being over. She's like, "Oh my god, what do I tell Mary? Oh my gosh, I don't want to tell Mary, but I also like, is she gonna think I'm a horrible friend because I don't tell her, and it's really annoying." Um, I feel like that's something that you would say. It's not like you're the one who's cheating on her boyfriend. You would just be like, I don't know if it's true, but just so you know, people are saying that Steven's cheating on you. I don't, like, why is that so right. hard to say to your friend? I don't understand why that She, like, obsesses deal. about it for a long time, and she, like, I think she's also kind of looking for, like, the perfect moment. Because there's, like, multiple moments where she's, like, about to tell her, and she's like, oh, I should have done that, and then, like, the moment passes. Because they're, like, working together in the restaurant. Like, Mary yeah. gets to the restaurant because they're back to work after their winter break at the restaurant. <laughs> what did the restaurant do when the whole staff was gone for Christmas? Close. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. And so I think she, like, Tries to, but also, like, Mary does find out pretty quickly. Like, yeah, because the whole school knows by the end almost of the immediately. Day. And Mary's the yeah. last to know. And then Mary gets, is like, what the hell are you? I didn't tell me. I don't know. I just, I didn't buy Peggy's inner conflict. I just, like, just say it. Like, I think it would be a hard thing to say. Because she, like, I mean, it's, the whole book only takes place over the course of the week, and mm-hmm. the days are laid out. And she finds out on Sunday, and by the end of Sunday, Mary knows via someone else. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I probably well, would have waited till we got back to our room. Because yeah, they, okay, they're yeah. roommates. And they hadn't gotten back to their room yet. Okay, that's true. Like, that's fine. Um, I was like, not, like, whatever. Should she maybe have told her earlier? Yeah, since she knew that everyone knew. <laughs> maybe. But, like, I can also see where she might have wanted to wait. It was not like she was going to try to keep it a secret forever. At least that's not what her internal monologue sounded like. Yeah, I don't know. So, Mary finds out because Sylvia, who is totally into orchestrating this 
whole ordeal um like gets her a gift card to the coffee shop where amber won't shut up and is like you guys should go get a latte and she totally knows amber apparently works 24 7 every single day in this coffee shop she's the only (laughs) one there maybe she owns it (laughs) i don't know i don't know when she finds time to get off the phone to like do taxes coffee coffee shops are open for like a lot of hours of the day right amber's there all the time because they go, like, after, or, like, in between, I don't know. Their job is, like, pretty flexible. <laughs> so do they go the next morning? Or no, they go that night. They go that night. They're like, I don't know. It's night, too. Like, it must be, like, 10 p.m. I don't know, man. We're a little bit confused about the world of work in this book. Um, these children never have time to do their homework or, like, sleep. They have, like, class during the day, which we don't really get to see, but it happens. And mm-hmm. we assume. And they work from, like... Yeah. 5 p.m. till midnight every night. <laughs> and then they weird. stay up and, like, eat grilled cheese for another two hours every night. <laughs> Which, like, I understand. Like, if you were working that long, like, I would yeah, want another meal when I go. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's bizarre. Um, so Sylvia's <laughs> like, here, take this and go see Amber. Uh, yeah, she says, like, make sure Amber makes your latte, right? Well, good thing that Amber's the only one who works there, because she does. <laughs> and so she does, and of course, Amber is, like, on the phone, and she's like, yeah, did you hear about Mary and Stephen? And Mary is the one there, and so that's how she finds out. Um, and everything goes to hell. And then they start stalking Crystal, who Crystal is not the girl at the perfume counter in this. She is a girl who works at the fancy jean <laughs> The store. jean bar. That's called Mod. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's like, expensive. And, but it's done in like an industrial way and this is one of my favorite parts of the book is the description of this jean boutique because uh-huh. they're like it's supposed to look like a laundromat <laughs> sort of so people very don't go to those and they don't know what they look like it's fun so. it's like disneyland yeah exactly it's rich um, people they can kind of feel like they're edgy yeah also the dressing rooms don't have lights in them and the curtains are like floor to ceiling i guess because that one boy <laughs> Mary goes in there to try on some jeans, and she says she has to feel around her with a chair. <laughs> and I was like, and it just has like a curtain closure. And I was like, these curtains are like at the ceiling and go all the way to the floor. They're a velvet. <laughs> and they're heavy. She's like, the only thing is there's a tiny crack of light slipping underneath. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> she didn't feel around for the chair because it was so dark in there, which seems <laughs> like someone might have pointed that out at some point when they shopped. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a poor design. Um, it wasn't di- like she had to feel for the chair. It was like, oh, it's dimly lit. I can't even see what these jeans look like. <laughs> it's like cannot see the chair in here. It's a cave. They <laughs> um, put them in blindfolds before they said the dress. Yeah, I don't know what would help with that. Uh, there are some weird descriptions in this book, but um, <laughs> if you didn't also, I don't think we like clearly mentioned this before, Aspen is a mountain town and is super, super like wealthy. Like a bunch of people, um, like celebrities, famous people have like second homes there, third homes, fourth homes, who knows. Right. Um, everyone has like a cabin up there. Um, it's very expensive. So like I've been there once in my life and right. it was just like, you looked at the gas prices and were like, holy crap. They were right. like $2 ahead of anything else in the state. Everything is really expensive up there. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. town. But also it makes me wonder, again, about the working situation because Amber yeah. talks about it. But like a lot of people would go up there to their mountain house for like Christmas and uh-huh. like no one was there. All of the workers in the town leave <laughs> during the busy season. Because Amber talks about all the like celebrities that it came in. Right. At one point. Well, Amber's there 24-7. But Reno apparently <laughs> shuts down because they only use students. Maybe that's why, because they talk about how, like, 
they, one of another one of their explanations for why they have so many teens working there is like it's a newer business and like although it's super well reviewed, mm-hmm. it's still not making a ton of money. Maybe that's because they keep shutting down when all the <laughs> when it's like crowded in Aspen. To be clear, the book does not say they shut down over winter break. This is Michelle's <laughs> nice assumption based on the fact that it's they have no other employees. Students, <laughs> yeah. So if you, I don't know if you read Mindy Kaling's book. I know, obviously talking to Michelle because I know she has, but in Mindy Kaling's book, her first book, she said something about Aspen. She's like, Aspen is a place where everything looks rustic, but it's actually sickeningly expensive, and that's a very that's accurate exactly description. What happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's Aspen. Shout out to Mindy Kaling. <laughs> yep. If anyone knows her and wants to like set us up on like a friend date, yeah. that'd be really cool. Yeah. Let us know. Or um, if you are Mindy Kaling. If you are Mindy Kaling. <laughs> hey. Hey, my <laughs> We're really cool. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah. If you're not Mindy Kaling, back to the podcast. <laughs> what are we talking about? We started talking about Aspen. Anyway, so, okay. This is, like... The, <laughs> so, Stephen never comes in the novel, okay? And Mary stops taking his calls, and there's, like, a scene... Do we... Do we you don't know how I'm going to say about the plot, right? We can gloss on no. this real fast. Crystal's pregnant. <laughs> Crystal well, says she's pregnant. She's, she's not, not pregnant. Crystal is cheating on somebody else. These other random characters. With Flip. <laughs> I Crystal's never Crystal's even knew who that person was. <laughs> Crystal's cheating with Flip. And she's not actually pregnant. But even if she was pregnant, it could be Steven's or it could be Flip's. And Sylvia's boyfriend. I don't remember his Howie. name. Howie. Howie is also cheating on another. There's these two girls that just show up in town. And one of them they is dating at a Flip. And one of them is dating Howie. But that's Sylvia's boyfriend. Yeah, they make in a cooking workshop in Vail. But then they're like, oh my gosh, we wanted to go to Aspen. And we had no way to get there. Okay, yeah. This t- but this first book- we went to a cooking workshop. <laughs> this book takes Small World to an entirely new level. Because there's only like seven characters. But they all... That's all they need. Like, it's not like other right. characters are alluded to and they may, must be out there in the world. Like, this is it. <laughs> well, so it's weird that, like, what would make sense is if all these girls knew each other from school, if they were all students, originally. No, nope. they eventually, but they Like, are. that would, you could believe that, right? <laughs> it's a group of girls who are friends slash enemies together at the school. This is weird because Margaret Peggy, I don't know whether her name is Margaret. Her I name is Peggy. Well, that's not her name. It's, okay, just call Peggy. her effing Peggy. <laughs> I'm sorry you don't like it. <laughs> What's her name? Goes Peggy. to a cooking workshop on desserts down in Vail. This makes sense, right? Because she's a prep cook at the restaurant. The chef wants her to go, and she likes cooking. Makes sense, okay? Then her friend Mary comes along, because I guess Mary has nothing better to do with her life. On a Friday, which also, where? why are they not at school? Was it a Friday? It was, it was a, a Friday. Saturday? Wow. No, it was a Friday. I'm pretty sure. Whatever. These, I don't know. These children only go to Western Civ also. <laughs> Western Civ is the only class that's mentioned, yeah. Um, whatever. So, so I guess if you then have to go to Western Civ, maybe you're not that busy. So, yeah. Peggy goes on because Friday. she's cooking. Mary goes because she's It's like the middle of the place. day on Friday, too. Okay. It's like 11 a.m. Yeah, on so a they Friday. go to this workshop, and they meet these two other random girls, which seem, like, that's coincidence. And it's, like, it's a very specific, like, cooking workshop. It seems like it's a very specific audience. Like, why is also, everyone like, there? A teenage, and also, why are they teenage girls? Like, I feel yeah. like that's not the audience they were... Like, yes, Peggy's going because she, like, has a very specific interest, but this mm-hmm. is not a widely held interest by teen girls. Right. The, my thing is, it only makes sense for Peggy to be there. Fine. Mary tags along because she's Peggy's friend. She wants to drive her. doesn't Whatever. have anything better to do with her life. But the fact that they meet she, the other two girls who end up becoming characters really quickly and then... Suddenly, right, the book ends on Sunday, and we meet them on Friday, so... Yeah, and so suddenly... And how these girls are all dating the same people, like... And one of them lives in Denver. One of them is from wherever. Like, this is really... It's not believable. 
that really strange. Anyway, so they show up. Yeah. There's drama. Drama, drama. Then everyone's boy. We find out everyone's boyfriend is sleeping with <laughs> someone else. Sylvia finds out that the random girl they picked up in Vale is who her boyfriend is cheating on her with. Crystal. Then they find out that Crystal is also sleeping with some other guy that is another boyfriend the other of a random girl from Vale. Amazing, right? And Crystal gets Stephen to break up with Mary or something because she says that she's pregnant when she's not. I would definitely, like, want some proof. I wouldn't just be like, oh, you're pregnant. Also, how long how is their winter break? Because it, it's assumed that it kind of happened over winter break. Yeah. Does Stephen not know up. anything about biology? <laughs> She's like, I can tell after we had sex last night. Now I'm pregnant. <laughs> Let's say she conceived on December 18th. Uh, and then back to school in January. At a most, she's like a month pregnant. So she might know, I guess, at that point. Yeah. Because at that point, she would have missed her period, so she would know. I guess so. But she's not showing anything. I would definitely, like... Obviously, she's not showing anything. <laughs> she could be no more than... If they had the longest winter break of all time, she'd be two months pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Did it start after Thanksgiving? You just have to have someone pregnant pee on a stick and they should prove. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying, if I was Steven, I would demand a pregnancy test. I'm not going to yeah. let some girl be like, yeah, I'm pregnant. Especially, oh, really? well, I'm sure his family would. I've seen movies about rich people. They always want proof. <laughs> we know a lot about rich people. I've TV. seen The Notebook, okay? Your family's real wealthy and they would have, I mean, she's the girl. So, no. The situation doesn't work as well, but <laughs> they want all. They always want proof. And we have seen a lot of TV. <laughs> yeah, so, so we know her. His dad, dad who has a mustache, probably and always wears a suit. Um, definitely would want a pregnancy test and a paternity yeah. test. Yeah, he, she's not gonna saddle up to that fortune for on just her word. <laughs> we need some evidence, right? Yeah, so everything falls apart. There's ends up being this all happens like super fast, okay? Yeah, because the whole book takes place in a week. Mm-hmm. And all the exciting <clears throat> stuff happens in the weekend. The last this like second weekend. Right. So eventually what happens is that Mary doesn't even ever talk to Steven again. Like she refuses to take any No, she calls. talks to him on the phone and he tells her that she's that Crystal's pregnant. Right. But that's what? last. I thought she overheard Also, that. no, she, Whatever. like, they're at I mean. breakfast, and she calls Steven. I don't know. Like, on Saturday. Okay. I think it's Saturday morning. She calls Steven. Oh. He's, like, Crystal's pregnant. She says literally two words. She says hello. He explains <laughs> the whole story, and she says okay, and then it hangs up, which is a strange phone interaction. Um, unless yeah, you're, like, a spy getting information. <laughs> um, but anyway... Yeah, and then so she's really mad. But then he breaks up with Crystal the next day because it comes out that she, Crystal's not actually pregnant. And then he's like, "Sorry, Mary, let's be buds still." And Mary's like, "No." And then she throws her phone in the bushes because it only connected to Steven, <laughs> so now she doesn't need it. And then Mary throws Sylvia's phone like off a ski lift on accident. Phones are going everywhere. Also, they have a flip phone situation. Also, yeah, at some point, Mary has a flip phone. I guess this is two thousand nine. This makes total sense in 2009. Not if they're wealthy. All the wealthy kids already had iPhones in 2009. 2009. Or at least sidekicks. <laughs> Bedazzled ones. Um, no. Oh, also, at this point, in the same scene that the flip phone is, um, there's a point in which Mary has um, 
Peggy do her bra for her. Okay, that was weird. A strange, that was, like, my strangest moment of the book. Because that doesn't happen. You don't ask your roommate to, like, clasp your bra. If the bra is so difficult <laughs> to clasp, but you can't clasp it. I don't clasp it. I don't know why you'd buy that bra. Like, what is it? Like, who's dressing you every day? Maybe she's so wealthy that she has some people dress her. <laughs> this is, is, like, well, the strangest thing ever. I don't think that's a thing that, like, friends do. Maybe we're just weird. And, like, all of their Yeah, I mean, I've... Jump bra. I've never... I don't think I've ever had a class in anyone's bra. I help people clasp a dress. Right. stuff. Like, I'll no, help No, for you. sure. Like, zip up a dress. I just don't know why you can't clasp your own bra. If you can't clasp a bra... Like... like you can't do it in the front <laughs> and just turn it around? Because that's honestly what I do. I clasp behind me, but both are valid methods. And if you can't do either, then maybe you should only, like, stick to ones... Like, the front clasp ones. The ones that, like... Which are actually sometimes harder. Mm. Or, like, the ones that don't have clasps at all. Yeah. Which is really ideal. Those are more comfortable, anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Yes, yeah, is a... I don't know why this situation happened, but... It was dumb. Yeah. It the was a point in which I was like... <laughs> How is this okay. happening? Yeah. Well, the climax of this plot, basically, is this coffee shop scene, because Amber's there, who instigates this whole thing. They all Everyone's have the there. same coffee shop, yeah, together. Because there's, only, the two, girls there's only two places in Aspen. Yeah. The coffee shop... No, three. three. There's the jeans store, the coffee shop, in Reno. Well, the there's four because there's a school. Nah, we're not sure of that. That's all. <laughs> I am. There's not a lot a of evidence dorm. that the school exists. <laughs> yeah, their house. Their part. Well, they live in a dorm. They live in a dorm. Yeah, so. Because they're 16. The yeah. random girls from Vale who end up being part of this plot because they are sleeping with XYZ. Because there's only three guys in the plot and they're being slept with by like five or six girls. <laughs> um, yep. Mary and Peggy and Sylvia and Crystal all in the coffee shop at the same time. It's amazing how that worked out. And Crystal's on the phone with Stephen, and Mary starts screaming in the background that she's not pregnant, she's lying, and I guess that's how Stephen finds out. I don't know. Whatever. He, like, really doesn't need any evidence from anyone. He's like, oh, my ex-girlfriend just said you're not pregnant? Cool. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, and so then that's how Sylvia, that's when Sylvia finds out that she's being cheated on. And basically a cat fight breaks out in the coffee shop, and they throw a chair through the window. It's a bar fight in a coffee shop in Aspen. There's probably some one, like, old lady who, like, retired to Aspen. (laughs) On the sidewalk with a chair. Broken glass everywhere. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This is the one time Amber gets off the phone. People are screaming and No, she got off the phone before it started, though, because she was like, ooh, this is starting to get juicy. Mm-hmm. So they come out, hung up, because Mary starts screaming, like, yelling, yell-talking about, like, cheating, I don't know, pretending she can't see Crystal, and then Crystal, like, calls Steven and starts yell-talking at him, <laughs> being like, hello, Steven! <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Crystal starts, or not Crystal, Mary starts legitimately yelling about how Crystal's not pregnant. And Sylvia's like, what the heck, because Sylvia never got a text from... Crystal saying that she wasn't pregnant because Peggy threw Sylvia's phone off of a ski lift. <laughs> On accident. accident. She also lost her gloves, so. Yeah. Whatever. We're not gonna, so that probably made no sense It's okay. You, but we're not gonna bother it didn't to make a ton of further because we don't when find it, it important. We have a lot of stuff to say about it, but none of it is about the actual event that happened. Um, okay, so, yeah, I have lots of thoughts about I this. I have lots of thoughts, too. Well, thank you with... Our dear friend Tucker. Do you want to talk about that first? Um, so, <laughs> okay, so when I started this book, I, like, knew it was based on the women because Paige told me, but, like, again, I didn't remember the plot of the play that we had seen when we were 15, shockingly. Um, <laughs> so we're older than that. 
And so I, like, didn't get a lot of the women references. Maybe I would have enjoyed the book more if I had. No. Because um, <laughs> I remember that and I didn't enjoy it more. Like, halfway through the book, I was thinking, I was like, why would someone write this book? Like, there's no point. Like, I get that there's, like, sometimes people set out to write, like, literature that, like, mm-hmm. is going to, like, speak to some deeper message of, like, what it means to be a human. And sometimes people write books for, like, entertainment. This book seemed to be neither to me, and I was like... What would possess you to write this book? And then I was thinking more about it, and this book is written by a man who's a food editor, mm-hmm. and he's also, like, an adult man who wrote in a book entirely casted by teen girls. And, like, not that, like, men can't write women characters, that's a ridiculous notion, but, like, I don't know what would possess him to write an entire novel about teen girls, and clearly have no idea what's happening, as exhibited by this bra hawking <laughs> incident. And I was just like... Like, what would possess you to do this? And then to, like, cast female friendship in such this, like, negative, like, spiteful, centered around men light. It was, like, I was a little bit annoyed at this male who just decided to, like, talk about (laughs) how horrible all these women are to each other without any, I don't know. I just felt like he was such an outsider perspective and didn't come at it from an outsider perspective, tried to come at it from an insider perspective, and did a horrible, horrible job. So, I have a little bit of a different perspective on that, but have been thinking along many of the same lines, even if we don't necessarily agree. Okay, so it is interesting that Tucker Shaw is a man. I didn't know that until I was halfway through the book, and I read the about the author. Um, and I actually thought that was cool, because there is so much stereotype about like women writers. I mean, there's a stereotype in general about that women writers... Like, they only write about quote-unquote women's issues, whatever that means. Um, They only write female characters. Which, like, have you heard of Nicholas Sparks? Like, Nicholas Sparks is a man, and he writes horrible, horrible, horrible chiclet. However you feel about that term, that's what it's classified as. He writes horrible romance novels, and he's a man, so it's not true that women are the only ones writing this so-called chiclet, A. Um... But there's just so many stereotypes that women writers are the only ones who write female characters, and there's also so much in the publishing industry, like taking um, J.K. Rowling as an example, she writes under her initials, because if she wrote that as Joanna Rowling, then it, like people think, oh, this is a book for girls, because it's written by a female right. author. So there's just a lot of like prejudice around that anyway, so I like the idea of a male author writing about female characters, because female characters are always relegated, I guess, as women's writing territory, um, because it's seen as lesser than. I'm not saying that's right or how it should be, um, but that's sort of how it is. I like the idea that, just as women authors can write about male characters, as evidence in the Harry Potter series I just brought up, um, the idea that male authors can write about female characters. And, Brock Lasping situation aside, um... (laughs) (laughs) This is such a strange (laughs) situation. I didn't see, really, any missteps on... Tucker's part. It's weird to just refer to this author as Tucker. This person. Tucker. Well, I don't... I like I like neither name. Shaw. I don't, I don't like either name by itself. I'm gonna call him Tucker. Tucker seems real informal, but Shaw <laughs> is, like, too short of a last name. Right. So I'm gonna keep calling him Tucker. Um, I didn't see any real, like, missteps on his part in terms of his portrayal of female characters. Like, it's not my psyche at all that's being portrayed here. Like, do I really, like feel connected to Peggy? Do I see myself in her? No, but to what extent do I see myself in any other YA novel with a girl character that I don't 
Like, I mean, I feel like... I mean, I feel like I see myself more in other characters than I would in this. And I don't know if anyone would identify with these characters. It becomes problematic. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that this compared to another YA novel, I don't see this as an any, like, more, like, untrue depiction of... Not necessarily friendship, not talking about the friendship part, just as, like, female, like, inner, like, being than any other YA novel. I didn't see this as any, like, I wasn't markedly like, oh, this is definitely written by a man. Like, did I really see myself in this? No, but same case with all the other novels. Right. Um, No, I think I can see that. The only problem I could see with your argument is that, yeah, I think it's fine that, and I think it's important that men write female characters, but this book is a book written by a man completely marketed towards females. Like, mm. to be a man to pick up this book would be ridiculous. I didn't it says, want to pick up this book. Right, it says no boys allowed. It's pink and glitter. There's, like, no way that, like, yeah, the average man would pick this up. So it's a book written by men about women geared for women, mm. which I didn't really like. If this is a book written by a man about women that was geared more, like, genderlessly, no. I would be more okay with it. Kind of broadening this idea that everyone can read yeah. women characters. Because I think that's the bigger issue. Yeah. That this isn't, like, genre-specific. It would be like if I wrote a book about a black community and then only marketed it to people in the black community as, like, a white outsider. Mm. I mean, that's a more extreme example, I think. Um, but it's not, like, bringing this issue into the larger, like, male readership. It's... Just, like, reimagining it and then giving it back to women, which I wasn't super okay with. Sure. I think part of that, for me, it's a bigger problem in terms of, like, the publishing industry, especially just, like, we talked about the cover design. Like, the cover design is horrible. And, yeah, like Nichelle said, if you just saw it, and, like, when I picked it up, it wasn't on the shelf. It was actually on one of those display things. You could see the cover. And I actually was there, like, looking at the shelf, and I was trying to find the book, and I was like, it's not on the shelf. What the heck? And I didn't even, like, the fact that, like, that particular cover was up on the display shelf, I really didn't think that was a book I was looking for. And then I, like, read the title, and I was like, okay. Um, so, and that's been a discussion in YA publishing, especially because YA covers are so um, gendered, mm-hmm. particularly when they're for female readers. Right. It's like, look, here is, like, a blonde girl, here is lip gloss, here is pink, here is right. glitter, like, just so you know, this is for girls. Right. So I think part of, and I don't, I assume he had nothing to do with cover design, because it's horrible. I'm just going to be make a charitable assumption. <laughs> um, but, yeah, okay, so I see that as sort of a thing. The idea with female friendship, like, I do think that's a problem with the novel. I don't know exactly how much of it is a problem with this novel, and how... Because in the play, like, there are, like, toxic interactions right. happening with female friends. Right. And I think that's realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, lots of female friendships or, like, quasi-female friendships. Like, there's female friendship and then there's also, like, women as enemies. Um, and those are both issues that are explored in the play and also in this novel. So, but you're definitely right. It's, it always, well, for me at least, like, I've never understood this. Like, women tearing each other apart because of what the man did. It's like, I don't think you should, like, commit adultery or cheat on someone else's boyfriend. Like, I think that puts you morally in the wrong. But I've never understood it when women go after each other. Like, when the girlfriend goes after um, the girl her boyfriend's been cheating on, it's like, yeah, she's morally in the wrong because she had sex with your boyfriend if she knew that he was already dating you. Like, I don't think that's the right (laughs) moral choice to be making. But... 
the other girl or woman, she's not the one who promised to be faithful to you. Like, who's the one who really broke promises here? Who's the one who, like, you should really be, a, like, offended by is the guy. And no one is, like, damn, Steven. No, no one goes after Steven with pitchforks. Not really. But no. everyone is totally fine with tearing apart the other woman. And that's something I, like, never understood. And they do it in the play, too. Right, and I think And the, there's a classist um, element in the play right. that's not brought out in the novel. Not really. No. I mean, it. it's, like, mentioned a little bit. Like, Peggy talks about how she's poorer than Mary, but it's not. Uh, I mean, it's like Crystal. Oh, yeah, works, yeah. Right? I think they, like, there's a moment in the jean shop. Yeah, I think so. When Mary and Sylvia start just going after this girl, and Peggy gets really upset about it because it's mm. a side of Mary she's never really seen. So it's like, it's, but it's not, I think it's definitely much stronger in the play. Yeah. There's mentions of it. Yeah, because it's not just Stephen is cheating on Mary in the play. It's Stephen is cheating with her, with this woman at the perfume counter. So a shop girl. And again, these are women in, like, high society. They don't have jobs. They're wives and mothers and hostesses. Um, and so the idea that he's not just cheating on her. He's cheating on her with, like, trash is right. the implication. Right. And I think I think that is brought up just super briefly. Yeah. Um, if you blink, you may have missed it. Yeah. Well, so. and Peggy's, like, so appalled by it that, like, you, we move on like, pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, but it's very, I mean, I don't, like, whether you agree, I mean, we obviously don't agree with it, but it is, like, if you want to make a point about patriarchy here, like, patriarchy makes other women the enemy, not the man, even though it's, like, the women may have been morally wrong if they cheated on her, like, they were part of the affair. Right. That's fine. Right. But they're not the ones who made commitments, either. Right. And the men, I, I mean, they're not excused, like, Peggy, everyone's, like, a little bit annoyed but they're kind of excused by their absence. And Mary's mm-hmm. kind of damning of Stephen is just, like, not speaking to him anymore. Yeah, whereas I would, like, maybe where he, not like, have... Where a chair gets turned out the window and these women Yeah, fighting. like, when, they, when the girls start fighting in the coffee shop, there's, like, hair pulling and stuff. No one goes and pulls out Stephen's hair, though. Like, if I was... If this had been my boyfriend who cheated on me, like, I'm probably going to be, like, angry at the other woman, too. But right. I'm going to be really mad at the guy, like... Mm-hmm. He was the one who was in a relationship with me, so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah, and that's, I mean, it's hard because that is a fairly true kind of reimagining of the play. Like, that is fairly mm-hmm. true to how the play imagines things. But I just wonder if it could be dealt with a little bit more tastefully. And, like, that does happen very frequently, but, like, how do we, how do we reimagine that work of, of literature to be kind of a better model of what we're striving for or how to like more carefully because I don't think the thing is it like depicts it but I don't think it really criticizes it there's not a point in which someone says something about why are we not mad at Steven there's yeah. no attention drawn to that and I think that would have been something nice like I don't need you to depict these women to be like perfectly hugging each other and being like against <laughs> the men in the novel right. but I mean I think I would have appreciated someone pointing out the flaw in this way of thinking someone kind of drawing attention to it where because if you weren't thinking, if that was not something you brought into the novel, mm-hmm. that was not a, a mindset that you came in with, it's not something you would ever leave with. Right, yeah, like, I'm totally ready to, <laughs> to, like, read in, like, how patriarchal oppression is what is driving the women in the novel, and the girls in this novel. Like, that's totally the lens that I bring to it. If you didn't bring that lens, you would, yeah, you probably would still just be like, yeah, this is normal, this is, like, 
what happens when girls fight after their boyfriends cheat on them. The relationships and stuff that happens in the play are more complex. I don't know if the play, I'd have to go back and look at it, is really criticizing this either. And again, the play was from the 1930s, so it's a totally different time as well. Um, But it's still a more complex portrayal in the play, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, Probably because it's not a YA novel. Might have something to do with it. Um... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you're right. It's published in 2009, and, like, there's no... Like, that would have been something, like, interesting and complex and new to bring to the right. story if you're going to reimagine it. You don't have to... Yeah, like Nichelle said, you don't have to suddenly... Like, these women don't have to become, like, just, like, full-fledged feminists overnight card-carrying members of now National Organization for Women. Like, okay. Right. <laughs> I, I can understand that. Because that's not realistic. <laughs> that's yeah, that's not really realistic either. Um, yeah, I just feel like we're missing that, like, la- that layer. Like, I get that maybe, like, the larger point of I, it, the play, at least, and maybe, I'm assuming Shaw is trying to bring attention to the same thing, this idea of female, <laughs> women <laughs> portraying women and kind of not seeking out the men, but there's not that layer that kind of, because it is a YA novel, I want it a little bit more explicitly laid out. Like, and it doesn't have to be, like, super explicit. Like, it doesn't have to be them joining now. It can be someone as simple as Peggy asking herself and one of her, like, instead of one of her food rants, replacing that with, like, <laughs> why are we not mad at Steven? Just, like, I feel like yeah. even that question being brought into the novel mm-hmm. would change Yeah, just one plot being, like, why the hell did the men all get off the hook here? Like, why are we destroying ourselves Wait. over what men have done? patriarchy (laughs) so and one okay one thing just structurally about the novel that i think is a big part of why we feel all this and that we haven't talked about is this book is really short um it's 205 pages including like the five pages at the back that are like recipes they also do the thing where it's like (laughs) there's chapters that are like two sentences my mother is a fish they're not about (laughs) yeah it's not faulkner Um, (laughs) faulkner wrote some really short chapters one sentence chapters but he also wrote some really long ones um this is like there's some five sentence chapters which can work like we've read as i lay dying great book this isn't as i lay dying this isn't ceremony no (laughs) so it's not as i lay dying (laughs) so i was like not as on board with it in this novel the like five sentence chapters i didn't really think it was necessary um there's also some of those pages are when they, so like Nichelle said, this happened over the course of the week, and so it had like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as like a full page divider. Yeah. And when they do that, they actually, they print like the text Wednesday, Monday, whatever, in white, and the page is black. Like when you, like the amount of toner that you need to print that, like the page has a different texture. We're feeling <laughs> the book. It makes Zamini. Also the page before it is often it's blank. blank. yeah. Because they don't want to start new stuff. Uh-huh. So if they finish... So it's 205 pages with a ton of filler, and, like, some pages are one sentence. So I actually um, found out that AR, Accelerated Reading Book Finder, you can look up pretty much any kids' or young adult novel. <gasps> you can find the word count. This is my new favorite tool. Accelerated Reader, like, sucks in a variety of ways. But this word counting I feature, loved it when I was in elementary school. Because I was one. <laughs> you won. It was not a competition. It was not a game. It wasn't something to win, but I shall won. No, we had, totally had competition. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I we just like, took quizzes. <laughs> I was like, I won. I won. <laughs> no, because whoever had, I like, read that book. whoever had, like, the most points at the end of, like, the trimester oh. would, like, get stuff. Or, like, if you made over, like, 100 points, you got to like, go to, like, a pizza party. There was always prizes. Wow. And I could, like, like, pedagogically unsound. Right, because the kids that are at, like, a lower reading level are reading books that of like three points and I'm reading like Harry Potter which are like 25 points each and so uh, yeah 
yeah, that's that's a really but I won always so. non example of differentiated instruction. <laughs> um, so, it's something I still include on my resume. <laughs> One AR. One AR in fifth grade with 137 points. I don't remember, guys. That was a native number. For a moment, I thought that was a dead number. <laughs> no. Um, I yeah. have a certificate somewhere we could look it up. <laughs> okay, good. We'll do that after. <laughs> so, yeah, so you can look up word counts. And so I was like, like, this book is short. But the thing is, you can't just go by page lines because it totally depends on, like, the, How big the white space, are. text type, the amount of filler, etc. So I looked up word count. And this book, so for comparison, the target, like, word count for YA novels in the industry is, like, like, 45,000 is, like, the low, low end. That's a novella. Yeah, and so then, like, you're really looking, 50,000 is, like, okay, 55,000 is probably, like, a good, um, 55,000 to, what's that range? Like, 75, yeah. 75, 80, yeah. If you go over 100,000 words, like, you're not getting published, just FYI. Maybe, I think Twilight is really long, but... It, yeah, like, if you're already super successful, like, Harry Potter novels got really long, but they started normal length. Right, Once you've sold a million them. copies, they'll let you do what you want, um, but if you're just trying to start out and you're writing a 100,000-word novel, the chances that you really, like, it's really worth it are, like, extremely slim. Sorry. Um, anyway, so that's a target word count for YA novels, just so you know. This novel is 29,000-something, like, 340 words. It doesn't even break 30,000. It doesn't even break 29,500. That's a novella. We just read this novella. Like, that's incredibly short. Yeah. I've written novels that long. Um, other books we've read, so We Were Liars is a standard 50,000. Um, to All the Boys I Loved Before was 90,000-ish. Mm-hmm. And then um, that long one, the one that we were like, this is so long, Tiny Pretty Things, a ballet book, a deceptively long book, yeah, it comes in at over 100,000 words. Yeah. So, how did they get that published? I think it was because they were... I feel like maybe the upper length is 100,000. Yeah. I've because, heard... like, I just Googled how long, how many words is Twilight, because I think yeah. Twilight's real long, uh-huh. and they came up with Hunger Games, which is not what I Googled, but <laughs> okay. it said Hunger, Hunger Games is 101,000. I mean, yeah, if you have a special book, they're willing to... I think maybe 100,000 is upper end. If it's popular and they know it's going to sell, like, they'll bend the rules. But if you send in a normal manuscript... Like, Twilight, Hunger Games, these are the massive exceptions to the YA genre, right? I mean, Hunger Games Girl had been published multiple times before. Yeah, like, they're more, if you're a new author sending in your first manuscript and it's over 100,000. Yeah, don't bank on that. uh, No. Because then it just seems like you don't know how to edit. You can't cut anything down. Well, that's what they might do. Yeah, you send in something that long, you're going to have to cut. I've just heard from, like... People in the publishing industry, not personally. I didn't have a conversation. <laughs> I was like, you're page. Who the heck do you know the publishing industry? From, like, their blogs and stuff. They're basically like, yeah, you send a manuscript over 100,000 words, and we just cut it immediately. Also, because who wants to read it? I have actually a friend. I, she's not doing YA, but that's her job. She's. I don't think they pay her. Hmm. She just reads the books. Cool. You send it. I wouldn't do that for free, actually. I mean, she's we're not paid intern. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So part of the thing that just like super works against this book is how short it is. It's too short to develop any complexity. Mm-hmm. You can't. Ex- the side characters are never explored. They're just randomly They're, introduced, yeah, very right. fortuitously. I feel like it would have been better if he had cut more characters. Like he had just something. really focused on maybe like th- three, like Sylvia, Mary, and Peggy. And even then, and, like, it may have still been too that. short. They're just. 
And, like, we didn't particularly like this book, so I'm not saying, like, oh, I really wanted to read more, I wanted a longer novel. What I'm saying is it's too short Maybe to I would have liked it more. <laughs> it, maybe it would have been better if it had been right, longer, it has in terms of quality. Because you could have explored more. But it's the second chapter, we already know that Stephen is cheating on Mary. Okay, that's fine. But then, right, like, stuff so happens really accelerated. Right. And the thing is, like, there's more exploration in, in the play, which... Okay, we're comparing it to the play, but guess what? When you set, when you write a reimagining of the play, like that's the standard you set for yourself, right? And not like in such a loose, like you're thematically kind of reimagining a similar theme. Like he yeah. has the characters are all named the same. Mm-hmm. Like this is clearly someone who knows the women. Like we said, right. there's allusions all over the place. Um, so the thing. I mean, because it was so short. What happens at the end is that Mary, is just like, <coughs> they have the cat fight. I almost called it in a bar because it seemed like a bar fight. In the jean bar. <laughs> in a cat fight in the coffee shop. And that ends up being it. Mary just, like, walks out and she's, like, chucks herself on or whatever. Um, and it's just, like, I don't know what to do. Like, she still kind of likes them. But, like, whatever. She throws her phone in the bush. And that's the end. And it was, like... The ending as a standalone, I guess, was fine. Whatever. I just thought it was over. The ending, in comparison with the play, it was really lacking. And again, when you're writing about the play, that's what you're setting yourself up for. Because Mary never, like, there was so much more in the play of Mary, like, coming to terms with her feelings and, like, dealing with the aftermath. Right, and making she, another decision to be like, okay, right. I do want to take my life back in this way. Because, the, like, the throne of the phone <clears throat> is almost the sign of, like, acceptance and, like, moving on. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, she found out her boyfriend cheated on her a week ago. And it's just yeah. like... Yeah. It's really downplaying, like, the complexities of, like, feelings of a breakup. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it was too short, it was too quick, um, and the play Mary gets back at Stephen by, like, being the better person, essentially, and, like, and some, like, underhanded stuff as well, but, yeah, so the women is, the play is, like, this interesting exploration of female power and, like, how it's leveraged and things, Mm -hmm. and, like, the book is just totally missing that aspect. Yeah. Um, right, it really focuses on, like, the toxicity of female friendship, which, yeah. again, we talked about it in length, but... It's pulled from my hair out. <laughs> yeah, and it, the... It's so interesting in the play because, especially given, and maybe this can't be the same because this was published in 2009, and the play is stuff in the 1930s when women are still, like, obviously... The play deals a lot with more, a lot more with, like, how do women have power... When I think Michelle just like rolled her eyes at me. I guess not. You were just touching your neck. Probably both. Uh, I'm gonna keep talking. <laughs> um, like, how do women have power when, in a lot of ways, they're like disenfranchised? Um, no, you were totally talking about that still in 2009. That's true, I guess. <laughs> I feel like you could talk about that with like most human beings. Like women, obviously. Like I mean, there's like the pay gap. There's so many things you could talk about in school education. You could talk about STEM. That could be <laughs> weird segue, but you could if you wanted. Um, yeah. But I think power is always an interesting dynamic in how mm-hmm. people share and how it, like, affects relationships, even if it's not, like, a large disenfranchised group. Like, even if we're not talking about, like, women as objects like we would have been in the 1930s, I think talking about p- power and how it plays into relationships and how it plays into all interactions is an interesting theme that is timeless. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have it, <laughs> really. Yeah. We had it a little. I mean, we see, like, glimpses of it, but just be, just in the places where he parallels the 
the play. I think it's inevitable that they come up a little bit, because that right. the play is the source of his kind of inspiration. Uh-huh. But there's not really, like, a good examination. There's not. Right. And he doesn't, like, he, like, obviously takes out the elements from the 1930s, but doesn't mm-hmm. incorporate any real elements of, like, power dynamics. Yeah, and it was such a big part of the play that, like, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see how do women, like, wield power in these relationships when they are, like, Mary is, like, a victim, right? Her boyfriend has an affair, cheats on her. So she's the victim here. Like, how did she... And she's also, like, Sylvia is, like, kind of helping and then, like, kind of also trying to hurt her at the same time. Like, how do these relationships play out? What are the power dynamics between women? And then what are the power dynamics in relationships and like none of that happened so i don't know the tv show the white queen it was like i think it would have started out as a bbc show i don't know it's about um like the power struggle after the war of the roses in england and but it focuses on like through female lenses so the women who come to power and like how they try like you see the power dynamics there and how they're trying to even like women in like early english society after war of the roses like obviously completely disenfranchised, right? They have no legal standing. Um, but the ways in which they're manipulating events and everything. Um, and the tagline for the TV show was, um, men go to battle, women rage war. Which is, like, the best tagline ever. Um, and it's really true, and it could have been, like, a much... It could have been so much more interesting than it was, is what I'm saying. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well... We have books recommended. I didn't think I didn't do any of the stuff that we're supposed to do before the podcast. We don't have a rating system. We don't have books. Yeah, we do. Okay, I have a book. Nichelle doesn't have a book. I have a book. Um, what? My sister just pulled it into the door. Oh, okay, well, Crystal's gonna come in the door. Crystal, Nichelle's sister, not Crystal, book character. Um, my book suggestion would be if you're looking for a like a good book about like female dynamics and female power, um, about a group of women and female friendships. Um, besides, obviously, just like the women, the play in general, and the old original movie, not the new one. Um, my suggestion is The Group by Mary McCarthy, which is about a group of women who graduate from Vassar together, are friends, and it's how they navigate their lives after that. That's my suggestion. I have a suggestion. I That's forgot okay. to do that. <laughs> we only need one. That's uh, the goal is to have one. Honestly, not two, but yeah. sometimes it happens. Um, yeah, let's rate this book. So, okay, our scale today is from a PSL. <laughs> um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Don't mind the dog. <laughs> Hi, Crystal. Hi. <laughs> You're Hi. on the podcast. <laughs> We're recording the podcast. Okay. We're gonna finish in like two minutes. Okay. <laughs> Don't like start screaming and throwing pots, please. <laughs> okay. Hi. <laughs> okay, so I want to scale from a PSL to um, like the best, most perfectly drawn shot of Italian espresso. We give this book. <laughs> um a latte where they don't put the espresso in, so you just get sea milk. Alright. <laughs> you can write to us Bye. at smartgirlsyastacks at gmail.com. And we're happy to hear your comments. Yeah. All Positive the or otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> comments, questions, corrections. If you Stop. read the book and you were like, they're totally wrong about XYZ. If you, you are Tucker Shaw, we would love to talk to you. Explain yourself, sir. It'd be horrifying if any of the authors we've talked about wrote they're, us. We have to assume that they Except are. Except for to. Jenny. Hand because we liked her book. I want to talk to Emily Lockhart. 
We have some, she has some explaining to do. I think, right. yeah, that book won so many awards. If someone can tell us what we're missing, like, go ahead. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> you can send all your hate mail to smartgirlswaysexygmail.com. Yeah. We will see you. Not really. We're never going to see you. Bye. <laughs> Next week. <laughs>